We have been diving into the Gospel of John, chapter 11, one of the most miraculous stories in all of this of the Bible, when Jesus brings a man, Lazarus, back from the, the dead. Um, I mean, Lazarus has been buried for four days, and so he's dead, dead, and Jesus brings him back to life. But what does the resurrection of Lazarus teach us about salvation and how it does not automatically set a person free from addictions, limiting beliefs, mental health disorders, or other issues which keep them from living in complete freedom? How do you define a successful life? If your answer can be summarized as earthly excellence and sacred significance, you're at the right place. Join host Stephanie Smith as she shares three keys unlocking a life of lasting purpose. Learn yourself, love God, and live connected. You'll become smarter about yourself, skilled in human dynamics, savvy about the Christian faith, and strengthened to pass this wisdom on to upcoming generations. And now, let's get started. All righty, as we continue with our look at the uh, Gospel of John chapter 11 and this story about Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And this is the story where we want to be able to emulate Martha. And we talked about that in the last couple of episodes. Well, Jesus has grieved with Mary and Martha and the other mourners who have come to, to lament over Lazarus' death. And we really dove into that last time. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode, you want to do that because there is an incredibly powerful lesson for all of us. And the fact of looking at, even though Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to be coming back from the dead, he, he, it wasn't like he had gone over there to grieve and then thought, you know, I guess while I'm here, I might as well just go you know, call Lazarus back from the dead and we'll just end this grieving and we're going to turn it into a resin, resurrection party. Jesus had gone there knowing that Lazarus was going to be resurrected and yet he still fully was present and grieved along with the people who were there to lament Lazarus. And that, that I don't want to repeat all of that, but if you haven't, go back, listen to last week's episode because it's a powerful story for others, us, whether we are going through pain and disappointment or we have other people in our lives and how we show up with them when they are dealing with pain and disappointment and grief. Well, after Jesus is grieving with these, these people, then he, he gathers people around and he issues a statement. He makes a command and he says, I want you to take away the stone. Now, Lazarus had been buried in this cave and in front of the cave, a giant stone had been set. And oftentimes in, in this time period in, in the culture, there were more than, uh, more than one person would be buried in a tomb. It wasn't like we typically do here in the West today if a body is going to be buried where they are um, lowered into a casket and then placed in um, a, a concrete box and, and buried in the ground. People were placed in, in caves, and then the caves would have these stones that would be rolled over them. Well, so you can imagine that burying somebody 
in a cave that already had decomposing or decomposed bodies wasn't always really pleasant because you didn't necessarily know what state of decay the other corpses were in when you rolled away that stone. And so what kind of smell was going to hit you? So Jesus says, hey, take away the stone. They're not burying anybody else. I mean, that's not the reason that they're having to to move the stone is because somebody else has died and they've got to get him or her into the cave. And I love Martha's response because I can so relate to her. A couple of episodes, we talked about how when Jesus finally shows up and Lazarus has died and Martha goes to him and says, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But she goes on to make her declaration of faith. And she says as plainly and directly as a person could, you are the Christ. You are the son of God. And then as soon as Jesus says, hey, take away the stone, it's like she forgets who she's talking to. And she, it's like she has to remind him of a physical fact that maybe he's not aware of. Maybe he doesn't know that there's going to be a really bad smell that's going to hit them all when that stone gets rolled away. Maybe that had slipped God's mind. Maybe it was the fact that he had not uh, thought of in any times recently. And so she says to him, basically, but there's going to be an odor. And you know what? Jesus doesn't rebuke or shame her. He doesn't turn around and, to her and go, Martha, you are such an idiot. You just stood here a few minutes ago and told me that you believed that I was the Christ, the very son of God. And now you, you think you have to inform me that if we move this stone, it's going to stink. Hello, look at who you're talking to. He doesn't respond with that. Instead, he kindly and compassionately redirects her attention to his words, to the truth. And he says to her, didn't I tell you that if you, if you just believed in me, what you would see? Now, I'm, I'm paraphrasing that. I'm not reading that you know, verbatim. So if you go and look this up in John chapter 11, just understand. I'm, I'm just paraphrasing for the podcast. But I love the fact that the Bible includes these kinds of details because it's, it's, an, it's an example to us of how we actually live as Christians. If we are honest, this is part of the tension of life as a Christian. On one hand, we have this belief in God. We have this belief in Jesus. We have this belief that he is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is the author of life, that there is not a sparrow that falls to the ground without him knowing and caring, that the very hairs on our head are numbered. We, we read these verses and we know that they're truth, but then God wants to do something or rather he wants us to do something and we kind of then go back into this, this uh, way of thinking and responding like, uh, <laughs> excuse me, uh, God, just in case you weren't aware, if I do that, here's going to be what happens and it's not going to be pleasant. Um, 
So for Martha, it was informing him that if they moved the stone, it was going to stink. For us, it may not be moving literal stones away from caves where people are buried, but it's, it's doing the things, it's being called to do things that we're like, uh, uh, I, I'm just not real sure, Jesus, that you understand the situation. Let me give you some further information because that might mean that we go to plan B. By the way, I have plan B right here. Would you like to see it? I have a script. I think it's brilliant. I think this is what we should do. We all have that tendency to live that way in our lives. And I think the reality is that even as we are called to grow in our faith, we're still always called to be people of honesty and authenticity. And that means as long as we live on this planet, we will live in a state of tension. There's no escaping that. There will be this tension between what we believe and we believe with sincerity But then when it comes down to the application of that belief in specific situations, that's then where we can kind of go, uh, wait, wait just a minute here. So I love the fact that the Bible includes these kinds of details and that what we can learn from that. Well, Jesus then prays and then he calls Lazarus out. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, I don't know if anybody else was buried in that, that tomb or not. So maybe that's the reason that he says, Lazarus, come out, because maybe if there are other people that have been buried in there, you know, maybe even from, you know, 100 years ago, that would have been a little weird for somebody from 100 years ago if they had been buried in there all of a sudden that they come out and they're resurrected. So Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, comes out, but he is still bound and he needs other people's help to set him free. Being alive isn't the same as being free. Being spiritually alive, being resurrected spiritually doesn't automatically set people free. You know, even when we can experience profound miracles and, and resurrection, whether that's through salvation or in, in another area of our life, we may need others to remove the things that bind us and keep us unable to enter fully into life. You see, when Lazarus came out, the Bible tells us that he had the linen strips of cloth that had been wrapped around his body. They were still wrapped around his hands, his feet, and he had a cloth over his face. Okay, if you wrap up your feet and your hands and you put a towel over your head, you are not going to be too terribly effective at being able to get around or to accomplish much of anything. It is hard if you can't see and you don't have freedom of movement with your feet to go anyplace, if you don't have freedom of movement with your hands, you're going to be pretty limited. And that's the situation for Lazarus. Jesus could have called Lazarus out from the the tomb, and he could have had him shown up without any bindings whatsoever. He could have had him shown up fully dressed. I mean, 
Jesus wasn't limited in how Lazarus was going to walk out of that tomb. And I think there's a symbolism there that we want to pay attention to. Just because we or someone else experiences a spiritual resurrection or even a significant miracle of transformation in in our lives doesn't mean that other people aren't needed. Jesus didn't say, Lazarus, okay, pull that cloth over your head. Um, Hey, Lazarus, you know what? If you do this this movement, then you're going to be able to unbind your feet. Or, hey, if you put your hands together this way and rub them real fast together, then you're going to be able to get out of those, those strips that are binding your hands. And then you'll be able to take that cloth off your face and untie your feet. He could have done that. He could have empowered Lazarus to free himself entirely, but he doesn't. And what Jesus says is he gives instructions to the other people that are around. And he says to those people, unbind him. There is no shame in calling upon other people to help unbind us with things in our lives that restrict us. That is something that is not evidence um, of, well, you know, we, we haven't really experienced resurrection or a transformation in our lives. It's just evidence of our humanity. And sometimes we need other people. We may need counselors. We may need physicians. We may need therapists, life coaches. We may need mentors who come to us either personally or in the way of books and and podcast. We need information that other people have gathered and sorted through. We live as interdependent people, and sometimes we need the help of others to free us from things that we cannot free ourselves from. Lazarus has, Lazarus was resurrected. I mean, this guy had been dead for four days, and then poof, here he is. He's back, but he still needed the help of other people to return him to engage fully in life. Well, then a couple of other things that we see is Lazarus' resurrection, just as we've seen that's happened throughout all of Jesus' miracles and his teachings throughout the Gospel of John, provokes what? It provokes division. Hello, big surprise. Jesus, the truth, the way, the truth, and the life always divides. And when we are followers of Christ, division will follow us. That doesn't mean that we need to go out looking for a fight. We don't need to be actively trying to create division and then turn around and go, see, that's evidence that I'm following God. No, no, no. You see, some people came to believe as a result of Lazarus' resurrection. Other people, I think this is just astounding. They don't come to believe in Christ. I mean, what would it have taken for those people? Somebody is brought back from the dead? The reality is that there are some things, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what God does, some people are never going to come to faith in Christ. So some people come to believe, some people run off to the Jewish leaders to tattle. I mean, that's what they are, they're tattletales. Does anybody use that phrase anymore? I'm not real sure, but that's what they do. They run off and they tell about what's happened not because they are proclaiming a miracle and the goodness and the majesty of God, not because they're running back to the leaders and go, you got this all wrong. We witnessed this man calling somebody back from the dead. This, this has to be the, no, 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 that's not why they're, 
They are there because they know that the Jewish leaders have targeted Jesus and they would rather get on the leader's good side than they would come to faith in Christ. The power and the prestige and the pull of this world and what it offers is gravitational. It's not a light pull. It is a gravitational pull. To be able to experience the pleasures of this world now is no small matter. Well, the leaders, rather than coming to faith in Christ, are more concerned about losing their position than they are about the population losing out on faith in God and in his work in their lives. And you know, this is always a test of true godly leadership. And it's not just about CEOs or megachurch pastors or political leaders. It's true in families and organizations. It's true in Christian schools. It's true in churches. Anywhere there are people, one of the marks of godly leadership is how people react when they feel their power and their position is threatened. And how the majority of the Jewish leaders responded was, we've got to get rid of this guy, not praise be to God, look at what he has done. From this chapter, there's so much to take away just in in this this, uh, part here. And so first of all, be encouraged that if you find yourself like Martha and one minute you're like, Jesus and, and God and, and, and all those beliefs and they're so real to you. And then the next, moment, the next moment when there's an application that God's asking you to make in your life and you're like, uh, wait, uh, not sure you know this, God. Well, you're in good company. And secondly, if you find for yourself that there are places in your life that you need the help of other people to be set free, hey, That's exactly what Jesus modeled for us when when he called Lazarus out from the dead. Be aware that when you follow God and that you, even if you have, have God's mighty power working in you, some people are going to come to Christ as a result of that. And some people are going to run off to, to the world, so, so to speak. And people in leadership whether it's a small leader or whether it's, it's, a, it's a major leader. And this is true really for all of us because we are all in a position of leadership, even if that's just that we are leading ourselves. Hopefully, we are actually authentically and intentionally leading ourselves. And so we need to ask this question first and foremost about us. How do we respond when we feel our power, our position is threatened? And then we need to look at that um, around us, not for purposes of condemnation, but for purposes of acting in wisdom, is to look at, are we more motivated to bring people to the resurrecting power of Christ, or are we more motivated to retain our power and our positions? All right, my friend, that's going to wrap us up here for the... Um, 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. I'm not sure how long it's going to take us to get through John's Gospel because it is so packed with with amazing insights. And I want to take the time to really dig into those. 
Hey, if you haven't already, would you leave a rating and a review for this podcast? You can do that in like 30 seconds tops. And that really helps. First of all, it gives me some good feedback to to know what you are finding helpful and valuable. It also helps other people to say, hey, this, this is worth listening to. And number two, if you haven't already, hop on over to the website, stephaniepresents.com and sign up for the weekly newsletter, High Impact. I want to help you and your family engage fully in God's grand story. Remember this, you have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. See you next time. Thank you for listening. For information on speaking engagements and other resources, visit the website at stephaniepresents.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.